Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. Happy Sunday, everybody, on this Sunday, December 26, 2021. That, two, that means two things. Number one, it's the day after Christmas. And number two, we're coming to the end of 2021 when I feel like it just started. Now, I don't know if that's a function of uh, like my memory or if the year just went by quickly. But in any event, it is what it is. And I hope that everyone is enjoying their day so far. It is, as always, a great morning in New York City. I think the greatest city in the world. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on Talk Radio 77 WABC and all listening to our stream on WABCradio.com and on the 77 WABC mobile app. And later on in the show, I'm going to reveal the results of our question of the week. Uh, But there's so much that has happened this week. I mean, it, it isn't just the fact that You know, we celebrated Christmas. Christians all over the world celebrated Christmas. Uh, But uh, that it was a time for families to come together. And unfortunately, uh, with Dr. Fauci and his craziness, uh, everyone was very worried about the uh, Omicron variant. And uh, I hope that everyone was able to get together with their families. Because in the end, family is the only thing that matters. A strong family you know, um, faith in God, being healthy. I mean, those are some of the few fundamentals uh, that that we need to really uh, believe in, especially at this time of the year. But what also happened in America were a couple of carjackings. And uh, you may have heard my voice kind of lilt at the end. It's it's kind of amazing. And one was a carjacking of a, a Democrat in Chicago, uh, and the other was a uh, carjacking of a uh, of a congresswoman, a Democrat in Philadelphia. Gee, I wonder why that happened. Could it be that criminals are running rampant, that they're not being jailed, that they're not even held in jail? And uh, Democrats are, of course, very concerned now. But we're going to get to all those topics and break it all down for you here on the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Do, a Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. Plus, later on on this show, I'm going to gavel out with my closing arguments, and I also want to reveal the question of the week that you don't want to miss. Uh, I always love your participation in the polls and on topics that matter to justice here in America. I always like to find out whether I'm right, you're wrong, we're wrong, we're we're in sync, we're not in sync, or uh, whether we're all crazy. It's all coming up in just a few moments here on the Judge Jeanine Puro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. But first, it's time for my opening statement. So uh, let's just let's just talk about what we've been through, you know. Against all odds, the spirit of America and her determination to return back to the country she once was still exists on the day after Christmas. By now, the gifts have been unwrapped, the carols have been sung, the hams and the turkeys carved, and the fireplaces lit. But this morning, I want to take a pause as we all gather together And I want you to think about and honor and recognize and applaud that at this very moment, at this very hour, there are soldiers and sailors and airmen and doctors, nurses, cops, firefighters, EMTs, all out there standing guard. For many Christmases, these selfless individuals have kept us safe 
and they have remained vigilant, ready, and capable of defending us. They deserve, at the very least, our respect and our gratitude. And make no mistake, these courageous men and women would give it all to be sitting with their own moms and dads and granddads and grandmoms and sons and daughters, beloved cousins, and, and their many friends who will spend hours worrying about their safety. But thankfully, thankfully for us, they have chosen instead to keep us safe. They have chosen instead to keep us healthy, and they have chosen to keep the spirit of America alive against all odds, when it would be so much easier for them to do nothing. We also recognize how the pandemic has turned our lives upside down. As it did so, good Samaritans from around this country came to wherever their help was needed. They came to New York. They didn't know us. They, they, they didn't owe us anything, but they came here to help us. And as tornadoes destroyed the lives and the homes of many Americans, Americans from all walks of life left the comfort of their own homes to rebuild the lives of people they never even met. And you know, this past Christmas and this holiday season, we also remember those who have gone before us, the memories of those we cherished Christmas past. They will always hold a special place in our hearts. I know they do for me. They are not forgotten, even as we make beautiful new memories with our children and our grandchildren. I am thankful to all of my listeners on WABC who make it a point to listen to my show on Sunday mornings. And I sit here on Sunday morning working hard to make this show interesting, informative, and engaging. I am extremely grateful for your confidence in this show and for bringing me into your home on Sunday mornings. And finally, we cannot lose sight of the true meaning of this holiday season. Too many of us get caught up in the holiday craze, the tinsel, the presents, the Instagram posts. It's easy to do. But the spirit of the holidays and the spirit of Christmas in particular to me is strong. It is resilient. It has withstood the test of time. The birth of Jesus, a miracle. And his message of love and peace will always represent the true spirit of Christmas against all odds. Sharing that true spirit and that joy and that hope and positivity is what Christmas is all about. And I hope that you were able on this holiday season to spend some time with those you love and care about to tell them how much you care for them, and how much you appreciate them. This is an ever-changing, quickly-moving world. The most we can ask for is today. Tomorrow is not promised to us. Make it a point to tell people you care about, that you care about them, that you love them, that you think about them. Pick up a piece of paper, write a note, send an email, make a phone call. It means a lot to the other person. So on this day after Christmas, I hope and I wish for you the best that life has to offer. And I thank you for listening to 
the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. And up here next on the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show, we will be speaking with political activist and radio talk show host Charlie Kirk. And later on, your chance to voice your thoughts right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. A special shout out as well for those of you joining us via our live stream on the 778WABC mobile app and on WABCradio.com streaming worldwide. And for those of you with Alexa smart home speakers, you can tune in as well by simply saying Alexa, enable the 77WABC skill. Joining us now is a political activist, a radio talk show host, founder of Turning Point USA, and a good friend. You can hear him every weekend from 12 to 1 on this station, 77 WABC. He is a syndicated radio host. He is heard all over the nation. Please join me in welcoming Charlie Kirk to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. Now, for those of you who haven't heard of Charlie, and I can't imagine that anyone is out there who hasn't, Charlie is a very unique individual. He made a decision at a very young age to uh, yeah, to pursue what he wanted in terms of what he wanted for his life and not what everybody else wanted. And he started a movement dedicated to identifying, organizing, and empowering young people to promote the principles of free market as well as uh, a limited government. And, of course, his organization is called Turning Point. I just returned from Arizona this weekend where I think, Charlie, it seems like you had the biggest group that I have ever spoken to in the years that I've been speaking in front of Turning Point. Well, thank you. It was it was about 6,700 in that room and about 10,000 total tickets sold. And it was an honor to have you, Judge. It was spectacular. It really was. Well, so. uh, the honor the honor was mine. But let me tell you something, Charlie. You know, any of us can get out there and give a good speech. But the ability to get out there to organize and get young people, like-minded young people, some young people still on the fence, to actually take time out of their crazy, sometimes lazy lives to learn more about this co- this country and what they can do to save it is really something that is uh, that is worth recognizing and worth honoring. And, and, and we oh, do so you. with respect to you, Charlie, and I really mean that. Um, now, Charlie, you you are you know all over social media. You've got your own radio show. You've got your own podcast. Uh, and Turning Point, of course, is a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. And your mission is to educate and train. How do you do that when your organization is clearly one that uh, I think aligns itself with a lot of the beliefs of of the right and the Republican Party? Yeah, it's all about education, Judge. And, you know, in my opening remarks at that event, I laid it out as this is not even conservative or liberal. It's just basic right versus wrong. And the thing that we've really focused on in recent years is really trying to reclaim the narrative on American history and American culture. Uh, You know, what does it mean to be an American? Should we be taking down these statues of Thomas Jefferson or renaming schools, you know, Abraham Lincoln, like they're doing in San Francisco? And really getting involved in the educational space. And as you mentioned, as a 501c3, you know, we're really focused on making sure that my generation and the next generation is one that shares the values of constitutional liberty, separation of powers, independent judiciary, due process, um, hopefully limited government, understands what liberty actually is. And if I were to actually pinpoint why the country is in the mess that it's in, 
It's not even the political stuff. That stuff's really annoying and whatever. It's mm-hmm. because we're starting to lose kind of our shared American values. And so I think what we do at Turning Point USA um, is, is more consequential and critical and important for the future of our nation than ever before. Well, and it is. And, it, you know, the loss of America, you know, the way that she has been for over 200 years and the fundamental principles, the foundations of this nation seem chipped away at every day. Everything from the Constitution, from the criminal justice system is really under attack to, to basically religious freedoms. Uh, You know, we're a country that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Everything is under attack. And, you know, the idea that you are at least in a position to not only fight that, but to fight it, the good fight, uh, is really a a testament to your strength and to your ability even more than your strength. But I want to talk about a couple of cases that are are in the news. And, you know, it's the day after Christmas today, so, you know, I I don't want to be totally political, but... There's an issue that is a, a thorn in my side, and that's crim- the, the failure of the criminal justice system that I devoted my life to for 32 years. And we let this past week we saw carjackings of two big Democrats, a, uh, a, a politician, a, an elected political official in Philadelphia and uh, uh, in Chicago, I should say, Lightfoot, not Lightfoot, and uh, in Philadelphia, a congresswoman, both both people who were carjacked at gunpoint. Uh, do you think that when it gets to that level that the politicians in charge of those cities where they want to defund police will start to take a different tact, or is it going to take more than that? I mean, I hope so, and I, I don't wish suffering on anyone, uh, even my not. political opponents. I of mean that. Um, and and I, I want the cities to be safe and clean. I, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Literally, when I was 15, 16 years old, judge taking the train into Chicago, not thinking anything of it, you know, just walking the streets of Mag Mile. And mm-hmm. and yeah, that's exactly right. When people hear me say that, they say, wow, like, yeah, that, that was the Chicago I grew up in. And, and obviously, you know, we're we're live here in New York. I remember visiting New York in the first couple of days of Turning Point USA when I was 19, 20 and 21 by myself, you know, staying in Brooklyn, you know, just kind of in the Wall Street area, not thinking anything of it. Mm-hmm. And those cities are rather unrecognizable. Uh, New York's still a beautiful place, obviously, but it's unmistakable that crime is up, uh, especially in certain neighborhoods. And Chicago, forget it. I mean, 835 okay. homicides. And it's too bad, Judge. And, I, and maybe it's going to take these politicians to suffer, to actually want to change their perspective. I hope that's not the case. Um, I want them to live in the same safe cities that I personally want to live in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can't help but make the connection between an entire political apparatus that was screaming to defund the police and then they get carjacked and they also get you know kind of targeted by the very same very same criminals they try to create safe havens for Right. The criminals they create save havens for and the criminals that they don't want in jail. And now they're left to suffer the consequences. But, you know, as we look forward to 2022, one of the things that that I want to tell my listeners about uh, at the end of the show is uh, is the whole idea of how will we conduct ourselves in 2022 We've got uh, now we have the Omicron uh, uh, variant, uh, variant, and we have the Delta, and uh, you know the president said you know he was shocked, no one was ready. I mean, really, I knew when the Delta came out there was going to be another one, and there'll be another one after Omicron. 
But um, the American people themselves have to make a decision as to how they want to live their lives and how they're going to take care of themselves. Do you think we'll ever reach the point where people will understand that um, a vaccine is is the right answer for some people, but not the right answer for others? Yeah, and that's right, Judge. And, and that's what a mature society would do. And a mature society would also admit that, hey, the initial numbers and we, we remain to be, you know, we could be. We could be corrected here. It looks like Omicron is actually less severe. looks like the hospitalizations are lower and might be more contagious, but it could be that this virus is on the end of its life cycle. We don't know, but the current data out of the United Kingdom, Neil Ferguson has said that hospitalizations are down nearly double digits. So that's a promising sign. And, Judge, I I believe everyone should make their own medical decisions. Many members of my family are vaccinated. I decided not to be. I don't think you should be discriminated against based on your medical choices. But I also think that we need to have at least some allowance of a conversation on early interventions, you know, whether it be Regeneron, monoclonal antibodies, vitamin D levels, which is something everyone agrees with, um, Mm -hmm. trying to tell people to get their D levels up, which is scientifically proven in hundreds of studies when it comes to COVID. Um, I, I think that's the most important part because I think people feel afraid and they feel as if they're waiting for the next big announcement from Fauci. I, I want to empower people. I want people to get their lives back. And, Judge, you know this. You spend a lot of time in Florida. Just the difference of oh. of tone and lifestyle of New York versus Florida, it's like two different countries. It really, it really is. is. It is. It is, Charlie. And, you know, when you go to Florida, people are happy. They smile. They're going yes. out to dinner. They're with their friends in New York. People are fearful. They're wearing masks. They don't want to get into an elevator if there are too many people in it. I mean, I've been, I've been Charlie, I've been at Dunkin' Donuts where a, a woman, she started screaming because someone didn't have a mask on. And she said that, that she has asthma and she could die. And, you know, I, I turned around and left. You know, I, I was either going to get in the middle and be a mediator of some sort or I was <laughs> going to leave so i left i said janine this has nothing to do with you but you're right i mean you know people are not taking the time to understand that there are options and the supreme court as you know on on january 7th is going to take up the decision where now the federal district courts are disagreeing on whether or not osha has the right to dictate that big companies mandate vaccines uh as opposed to you know the testing that people are happy to do what do you think is going to happen there yeah, I hope the Supreme Court, does, I mean, protects the rights of businesses. This impacts us at Turning Point USA. We have 200 employees, um, and I think about 80% of our employees have already had COVID, so they're naturally immune, right. not to mention we're all super young. And so let me get this straight. So the Biden regime wants to tell me how to run my business in the sense of my own employees' medical history. First of all, like I don't have that right to just sit down with my employees and look at them in the eyes and say, "Hey, can you tell me kind of what medicine you're taking?" Like that's that that, that is such an overreach, and, and and there is no substantive epidemiological basis for it. it. There isn't, and so I hope the Supreme Court will protect the rights of businesses. Who knows, Judge? You've covered this brilliantly on your show. <laughs> the Supreme Court yeah. is uh, a mystery to say the least, right? So, yep. Well, you know, what we've got is, uh, you know, we've got, uh, look, if you think about it, you know, we have the three that that uh, President Trump appointed, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Alito and uh, Thomas. I mean, they're they're pretty uh, conservative. But, you know, then you've got the chief justice and, uh, you know, you can't him for anything. 
And I don't I don't know what to expect from the Supreme Court anymore. I really don't. Yeah. And I mean, we hope they just kind of make a very simple constitutional decision that these decisions are best left to doctors, patients, individuals and not telling businesses what to do. This is the great question, though, right, which is um, will the Trump justices that went forward in front of the American people and kind of talked a good game with constitutional liberty, what will they do? You know, Thomas, Alito and Gorsuch, I think, are rock solid. Um, But we really I think the the big question really will be more Amy Coney Barrett than Kavanaugh. That's what it's looking like, Judge. And, And this is still very early. Judges sometimes can be persuaded by the votes of others. You know how it works on the Supreme Court. It's right. kind of a little club, right? They oh, all sit indeed. and discuss this stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, you know, I happen to agree with you. I think some are more rock solid in terms of his appointments than others. And, of course, John Roberts, I mean, he can't be it's relied been a huge upon. Disappointment. Yeah, yeah, he is. But did you, did you ever notice, Charlie, how it's the justices on the left who never kind of veer right, but the ones on the right who veer left? And I always wondered if, you know, what that was about. Is it, is it it's the, that they play hardball like they do on the outside of the Supreme Court? Uh, or is it just... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it's always it's always kind of confused me too why why the leftist judges they always vote in such unison you can almost write their opinions beforehand right 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 I, I mean I, I, I can I can write I can write Sotomayor's opinion on the Roe versus Wade the um, oh yeah the today right now <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't need to read it I can write it for her right yeah. that abortions are right and how dare the court you know yeah. overthrow stare decisis the whole thing I could write it for them. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's, it, I, I think it's a good thing though that people that are, I guess, on the quote unquote right go through the process of actually thinking through their positions. That it's not just a rubber stamp. I think that's probably positive, right? Indeed. But I, I, I don't think though that it's good that you have people like John Roberts who go through kind of the arc of a career of becoming more and more moderate. That's yeah. not the person that he went in front of the Senate. That's not who. I think George W. Bush thought he – who knows? I mean, who knows what W. Bush – who he thought he was appointing, right? Yeah. But definitely right. when it comes to Trump, with, with Trump, he thought he was putting rock-solid constitutionals yes, of Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh. Gorsuch has been great. We'll see on the other two. Yeah. And, you know, uh, w- one of the more interesting uh, issues is that, you know, when we talk about the, the, the Supreme Court and the impact that it has on our lives – you know, you, you kind of wonder about these justices and whether or not as they sit in their ivory towers, if they realize the significance of, you know, their decisions on, on ordinary Americans. And because right now, the way the laws are going in New York, anyone who's not vaccinated, who's working in a big company is losing their job as of December 27th. Uh, you know, no ifs, ands or buts. You can't you can't then say, oh, I'll be tested every day. That's not working anymore. So uh, it'll be very interesting, very interesting indeed. No doubt. Well, Charlie Kirk, I want to thank you. I know you're busy. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for joining us on pretty much our last show of the season. And I want to thank you for what you do for all of us. And God bless you. Keep keep fighting the good for. You're a great friend. Yes. And keep fighting the good fight because you know what? You're winning. Charlie Kirk, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Up next here on the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show, we will be speaking with author and radio host Eric Metaxas. And we're going to ask you our question of the week and tell you how to participate when the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show returns. 
Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Joining us now is an American author and syndicated radio host. His new book is called Is Atheism Dead? And it's available everywhere. I think I think the question itself is fascinating. So I think you're going to find this interview fascinating. Uh, please join me in welcoming Eric Metaxas to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. All right. Good morning, Eric. How are you? I'm I'm great because I'm speaking to my friend, Judge Janine <laughs> Pirro. I love you. I'll talk to you about anything. And if you want to ask me about my book, even better. Okay. All right. Well, the, the, the love is reciprocal, and I thank you for that, especially the day after Christmas. Uh, and uh, for those of you who may not know him, and I'm sure there are very few of you in New York City who don't know him, uh, Eric graduated from Yale University, and uh, he has written many New York Times best-selling uh, books from Fish Out of Water, Martin Luther, If You Can Keep It, uh, Bonhoeffer, Miracles, Seven Women, Seven Men, and Amazing Grace. He's written more than 30 children's books, including the bestsellers Squanto and the Miracle of Thanksgiving and It's Time to Sleep, My Love. Um, and his books have been translated into more than 25 languages. And I, I had to do that, Eric, because you're just you're more than just an American writer and a uh, radio show host. I mean, you are you're pretty smart there. And uh, so I want to you really are. But you're more than that. You're a fun person. So let's just talk for a minute about uh, what why the title is Atheism Dead. I suspect it's a retort to uh, the New York Times uh, cover that said is god dead yes. and so that yeah. must now, have inspired you to write a whole book how did that happen well no it's it, it's absolutely true and by, by the way before i answer the question is atheism dead you know i'm a new yorker i was born in new york in queens i've lived in new york but there's a lot of new yorkers uh who don't know about me so i'm thrilled thrilled <laughs> to have a new york i'm you know i mean it uh, i know you do i know you do my whole life and it's, it's, it's great i am an i am a new yorker by god's Grace, uh, I'm not woke. Uh, I got a good education at Yale, and miraculously uh, didn't go woke or crazy. Uh, so it's kind of you know, <laughs> it, it's. But the book, uh, the book is atheism dead. I have to say, there. Yes, the reason I titled it that is because my my thesis in the book is that you know what, in 1966, when Time Magazine put out this famous cover article, "Is God Dead." All of the intelligentsia, you know, of mm -hmm. that time thought they're wrong, but they thought, you know, science is pushing God out of the picture. It's pushing faith out of the picture, and all the smart people, uh, you know, we're, we're we're no longer gonna we're gonna no longer gonna go with the idea that God is reasonable to think about. It's it's rational. We're, we're, we're gonna. So they put this in the middle of America's living rooms. It had been percolating, you know, in the universities and stuff. But it comes right into the middle of middle America in 1966, Time magazine. And and what I say in the book is that roughly since then, and you know this, the, the elites, the media, they kind of got stuck on the narrative that the idea of God is going out. Science is pushing God out. And they kind of believe that and they kind of live in that reality, even though most Americans do not live. In that reality, but they kind of yeah. acted like, well, the smart people know. Well, here's the irony, and that's why I wrote the book. The irony, and this is the delicious irony, is that since about that time, in the decades since then, science has more and more and more been proving 
that there is no way that the universe, this planet, life could conceivably exist without an intellect designer, creator, who we know is God. There's no way. But, but, the but Eric, is- the taxes, you and I both know that there are people who believe just the opposite, that in the decades yeah. since that, that yeah. uh, Time magazine cover, that they've proved over and over again the Big Bang Theory. Well, l- let, me, let, me, let me just put it this way. Just because somebody so, – so the question is atheism dead. I would say based on what I have in this book alone, there's way more evidence, but the evidence – Pointing to God becomes so clear. It is now so clear as we're talking on the phone that if you dare to look at it, you will, you will, it won't be possible for you to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist. You're going to say, okay, maybe I'm an agnostic. I got questions about God. There's things about the Bible I don't get. I don't agree with. That's fine. Right. But the idea to be an atheism, that's off the table, right? That's off the table. And so what I find interesting, though, is that when I put the question out there, is atheism dead? The short answer should be yes, but a lot of people say, I'm an atheist, I'm alive. And I think, look, just because there are people that believe the earth is flat doesn't mean we take that seriously. There will mm-hmm. always be people who will say, I believe this, I believe that. But the point is there's certain things, and, and so when I discovered all of this evidence for, for God, for God, and then I did uh, – the first part of the book is science, which is the most dramatic, I think, because you can't believe science is going to point to God. We're always been so been give us give us evidence, Eric Metaxas, that the uh, oh, evidence, now scientific you want evidence. evidence. Yes. What are you, some judge? You yeah. got to see the evidence. <laughs> All right. I am a yeah, practicing evidence, Catholic, but I still need evidence. No, no, you're you're right. You're right. We want to. This is the irony: is that we want to be rational. We want our faith to be rational. And what I'm what I'm saying, and I'll give you evidence in a second. But I'm saying is that. It is rational. Not only is is faith compatible with science, and not only is now science pointing to faith, but if it weren't for Christian faith, science as we know it never would have come into being. People act like they're, they're enemies. That's nonsense. It was the Christian faith that in the 16th and 17th centuries gave us what we call modern science, the scientific revolution. So we're, the whole narrative is screwed up, and that's why I wrote the book. But evidence, I would say the, the most clear evidence mm-hmm. – is Christopher Hitchens, who was the famous atheist some years ago, was asked, what's the best argument on the God side? You've debated all these Christians and Muslims, but what, what is your what, – what do you say is their best argument? He said that's easy. He says it's the fine-tuned argument. Now, a lot of people don't know what that is. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's, this, it's very simple. In the last you know, 50 years, science has gotten to the point where it can see things it couldn't see. It, when Darwin wrote his book, uh, right. when Einstein was alive. What can science see today? Science sees a number of things, many things. I'll just give a couple examples. That if it was just you know 2% greater or 2% less, the whole thing would f- fly apart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, science now could tell us that the size of the Earth, if it wasn't exactly the size it is, if it was just a couple of percent bigger – there would be no life. If it was a couple of percent smaller, there would be no life. When you hear that, you go, what? How come I didn't learn that in school? Well, they didn't know it when we were kids, I guess. But in latter decades, scientists say that it just so happens, and this is why I find it funny, it just so happens that the earth is exactly the right size to support life. We, we now know that if it was a little bit smaller, just a tiny bit, the, what's called the magnetosphere, I write about this in the book, 
wouldn't be powerful enough to hold in the atmosphere. Okay. And we would be just like Mars. No. Okay. Life. Okay. So, so, so bigger, now, now we're no not now we're in the weeds, and I and I like this, but you know we don't we don't have all day on this thing. So the the question that 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 I have and is to whether or not you know is God dead? I mean, I believe in God. I went to Catholic schools. I went to Notre Dame High School and all that stuff. The, uh, why is it that people? When they're on their deathbeds, you know, they can say I'm an agnostic. They can say I'm an atheist. They could say whatever. They pray to God. Or if they get the diagnosis of cancer, all of a sudden it's, oh, God, help me with this. Right. All of a sudden right. they're back to church. Is it? Is there this subliminal sense within us, Eric Metaxas, who is the expert on all of this stuff <laughs> that's God-related, um, that, that that's built into us that we're, where we actually believe it, but we're – we, we can't bring it to our conscious level to say because I don't know anyone who went to yeah. their death and said, ah, you know what, you know, this is it. Uh, you know, it's a big bang theory. I'm just going to it's going to be over. Everyone thinks some, there's something more. Actually, I mean, what you're saying kind of proves the point. And I, I write about this at the end of the book. But just what you just said proves something. In other words, you can say what you want. We, we can all say, like, I hate God. I was raised in, a, in an oppressive religious home. I hate it, and there's those people. Cry. You could say all that. Okay. But at the end of the day, the alternative, there is no God in the universe. You and me, we all arose through random mutations, accidents, meaningless, from nowhere. When we die, there's nothing. The reason that's repulsive to most people is to, to, two reasons. Number one, it's simply not true so so the idea of it is just is, is kind of insane and somehow inside we know, we know that but i guess if you want to know if there's meaning in the universe if you want to know if there's something beyond right just the fact that we long for meaning just the fact that when you're in your deathbed you're, you're kind of instinctively it to me that's evidence that guess what you were created in god's image without him Nothing makes sense. You know in your bones, every cell in your body is made by him, sustained by him. You can't get away from it. You, you, you can't. It's like the painting you know, uh, is signed by the, by the person who made the painting, but the painting doesn't like it. Well, you're stuck. The signature is part of the painting. God is with every one of us. We cannot really exist with him. If you want to use your brain to push him away, we have free will. But at the end of the day, every one of us longs for it. And usually on deathbeds, you see that. Well, yeah, but you know what? It's even before. It's if you get a diagnosis of cancer or if yeah. you, leave, or you lose your job. Um, you know, I just find it I find it fascinating that people who don't believe in God or don't act as though they do, uh, don't bring it to the conscious level or suddenly, you know, begging for God to help them. But I want I want to transition a little bit with Eric Metaxas. And, and you're a brilliant man. I mean, it, everything I said about you, I mean, you got you sold millions of books. I mean, you hit into the heart of a lot of people. And, you know, uh, last week on the show, I, I had Mitch Album who I love Tuesdays with Maury and uh, those books as well, where he kind of yeah. brings the physical into the, you know, the, the inspirational and the faith-based intersection. Right. What I want to do that with you with politics. 
You know, yeah. when we talk about the southern border, you know, and I am very upset about the southern border. I'm upset for right. a variety of reasons, not the least of which, you know, as a prosecutor, I want to know who's coming in. Is it a pedophile? Uh, you know, is, yeah. is there a racist, uh, not a ra- right. rapist? Is there? I'm not saying they all are. I'm saying many of them want jobs. Many of them want to join in the fruits of the of cornucopia of that America offers. But yeah. how do you ju- how do you balance you know, when you hear the Catholic Church and Catholic Charities, you know, everyone's a chosen child of God, you know, but when Nancy oh, Pelosi no, says no, no, it about no. MS-13. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, Catholic Charities, they are totally wrong. They're Good. full of baloney, and I will tell you why I say that. Because a lot of times, see, they trade on people's guilt. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, the Catholic Charity. Let me tell you what, they're a thousand percent wrong. doesn't mean they have the name Catholic Charities. Here's Here's the point. If we in America, okay – had more money and food and what, what, than, we, than we could possibly use, because of the hearts of most Americans, we'd be the first ones to say, come on in. We want to share it with you. We are not in a place right now. I mean, wh- why do I have a lock on my door? Because I hate people? Because I don't care about the suffering? Because I get Obviously not. It's common sense. If you have any common sense, you say, America has always been welcoming. My mother and father came to this country as immigrants on boats, speaking other languages. Right. And they, tra- they raised me to love this country more than anybody. Why? Because they understand what we have here is a beautiful and a rare thing. And if you let this all go to hell because you have some misguided sense of welcoming the stranger – not, not a guided sense, a misguided sense of like everybody, come on in. Uh, the doors on my on my my house and whatever, just just come on in, take whatever you want. We all know common sense is that is that is absolutely foolish. So if anybody appreciates immigration and people coming up more than anybody, I do. But my parents had to do it the right way. Right. They didn't just they didn't sneak in. They didn't they didn't. And why? Because it shows respect. You know, if if you come to somebody's home and you're going to take their food, that's disrespectful. But if if they invite you in, and you say thank you, and you say this is wonderful, can you uh, can you use me? Uh, can you give me a job? I let, you know, it's a completely different attitude than what the Democrats are pushing. And I tell you, it makes me sick that that the Catholic Church and Catholic charities are on this bandwagon. That shame on them. They can get it wrong. This Pope has gotten nine out of ten things. Wrong. God well, let doesn't me get join it wrong. You. Let me join but, you but on that. Leaders can get it wrong. Let me let me join you on that. When I was at the southern border, uh, they were talking about some of these children, young children coming through uh, alone. Some of them and uh, Catholic charities were picking them up. There's no DNA. There's no fingerprinting. They're just taking the children. We don't know where they're taking them. We don't know who they are. These what, NGOs and non-government. It goes much further. You're, those kids, the only reason those kids came here is because this administration encouraged them to come. In other words, they should know. Of course, you're not going to get in. Then they they wouldn't come. But but this has all been created by folks like uh, Catholic Charities, by folks like this phony uh, administration. Uh, that's fundamentally anti-American. Yep. We, we have to understand that these people. You don't blame the people. God bless these poor people. They, they want what they don't have. You don't blame them. My parents came here wanting freedom and opportunity and you know, being able to raise their kids. Who doesn't want that? You don't blame them, but you blame the people that basically suckered them into, into coming here 
Uh, it, they should never have been encouraged to do this. And so it is, of course, it's tragic. And then people play in your heartstrings. Oh, look, they're, they're, they're suffering. The, yeah, the only and that's reason what they're, they're doing. alone, of course, of course. That's what they're doing. And Americans are saying, oh, you know, we have an obligation. The church says this, that, and the other thing. But I was curious because I couldn't agree with you more. I think that there are a lot of differences. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's almost as though, uh, you know, people have, you know, they they have divided loyalties, but they also have ulterior motives. And I think oh. that that, that, <laughs> that motive is incredible. And, you know, we can say this on the day after Christmas and be very comfortable about saying it. I mean, it's not it's not. Well, something, listen, yeah. the, the, the day the Catholic bishops will condemn Joe Biden for, for daring to take communion when he is pushing abortion on America. You know, most people see through this. And the, the reason most people are cynical about religion is because of hypocrisy like you see coming from the Catholic Church. That's game playing. If you believe something, live it out and tell people like like Nancy Pelosi and, and Biden, if you're going to push these policies, you can't take communion. You, you can't make up your own rules. If you want to be a part of the church, the, these are the rules. And you have a leadership position in America, and you're pushing anti-Christian uh, stuff out there, and, and, it's, and it's not acceptable. But, but you know, people, they want to they keep seats in the pews. So why they does the feathers. church do that? Let, let's try to get into the motivation of the church. Why does the Catholic Church allow someone like Joe Biden, who who is supporting supportive of abortion, and uh, you know you've got Nancy Pelosi, third term abortion, and and yet and yet they allow them to have communion? What, why? What, what did what did uh, Cardinal um, I can't think of his name here in New York? I, I've Dolan? met him. I've been on his radio. Dolan. Dolan. Okay. Why didn't Cardinal Dolan confront? Governor Cuomo. Cuomo, yep. Okay, Cuomo pretended to be a Catholic, right? I'm Italian, I'm Catholic. Baloney, you're anti-Christian, you're anti-Catholic, but you want to play the game because you want to get votes. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's the role of, of leaders. I, you know, it, there's misguided uh, generosity sometimes. People say, oh, I don't want to be divisive. You, that is your job to be divisive, not not to be divisive with glee but to do your job says this this is right and this is wrong so when you have somebody like a governor cuomo celebrating abortion until the moment of of birth in nine months the catholic leader ought to go to him and say that is wrong and if you don't rescind that uh, Mm -hmm. i will speak publicly on this and you want to talk about votes you lose you lose some votes but I think that uh, a lot of people in the church, not just the Catholic Church, but in, in 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 the church in general, there are some people that are stand-up heroes, and there are other people that they're looking, you know, to to what, what do people say I should say? What's going to happen if yeah, I say this? Whatever. We it need really heroes. Is. I mean, I speak about this a lot. It, it it makes me sick, particularly when religious leaders don't get this because they they're more guilty than than the other guys. So this is a. Because they know better. Because they know better, Eric Metaxas. They absolutely know better, and they know what they're doing. Even even if they don't know better, the point is that if you're if you're a religious leader, you're obliged to know better. So if you're too dumb to know better, you you shouldn't be leading. You shouldn't be there. And I have to say that that's why. I mean, look on my own radio program. I, I talk about this stuff all the time because it's infuriating. There's nothing worse than when people in 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 the church, in the evangelical church, in the Catholic church, when they 
suck up to this Marxist woke ideology. When, when I wrote the book, Is Atheism Dead? I wasn't even thinking about this, but I thought to myself, when you take God out, what do you get? You get Marxism. In America, mm-hmm. it's basically leftist cultural Marxism. They pretend to give lip service to God, but they are utterly anti-God. I mean the Marxists okay. all around the world, the, the Chinese, if, if okay. you have faith in those places, they will crush you because you're the biggest threat to their power if you believe wow. in God and in truth. And, and you see that you. in but America we're, today. We're, it's, it's crept in. We, I wish I had an hour to talk to you about this, Eric Metaxas. You are you are brilliant. I love your energy. I love your passion. I love your honesty, and I love the way you think. So I want to thank you for joining us, Eric, on on the Sunday morning show with uh, with me. And uh, your book is uh, it's got to be fascinating. I haven't read it yet, and I'm going to go well, out and pick it up. I really am. I'm excited. Will, will shock you. It's called "Is Atheism Dead?" A lot yep. of stuff in there. You will be shocked, and that's why I wrote it. I said people need to know this is real the evidence has come out let's all you know let's all let's all get psyched about it we'll be bolder in our faith once we know our faith is deeply rational and it is got it all right eric metaxas thank you so much for joining us god bless and happy new year take care back at you thank you (laughs) take care welcome back to the judge janine tunnel to towers foundation sunday morning show all right you know what time it is it's time to reveal our question of the week last week we posed this question Do you feel safe using public transportation in New York City? Do you feel safe using public transportation in New York City? The question was posed after last week's discussion with NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea. Of course, Commissioner Shea is set to retire soon, and uh, Mayor Eric Adams will be bringing in uh, as police commissioner Kichant Sewell. She will be the first woman to hold the top position at the NYPD. She says she is ready to tackle the city's surge in crime. So here are the results of the question. Do you feel safe using public transportation in New York City? 40% said yes and 60% said no. The majority of our listening audience does not feel safe riding public transportation in New York City. And I must tell you that I absolutely agree with that. And the, the, the truth is that I knew what the answer was going to be because I travel into the city from my home in Westchester uh, by car every day. And the traffic is just beyond what it's ever been. And it's not because it's the holiday season. It's after uh, COVID, after the pandemic, with the surge in crime, what we see repeatedly happening in in, in New York subways, on the platforms, people being pushed into the tracks, into the subways, women being raped. I mean, it is crazy town. And so people are not feeling safe and uh, they're driving their own vehicles into the city, which, of course, is far more expensive. And uh, that is why we're seeing the majority of our listening audience agreeing that they don't feel safe uh, riding public transportation uh, into New York City. So for this week's upcoming question of the week, uh, you know, after listening to. Eric uh, Metaxas, 
you know, I th- and I thought it was a fascinating conversation about the idea of God and a reaction to that Time magazine cover in 1966, Is God Dead? He writes the new book, Is Atheism Dead? So I'm thinking the question of the week for next week should be, do you believe that there is a lack of faith in our country? Do you believe that there is a lack of faith in our country? So make sure you chime into the conversation and vote. All you have to do is log on to our website at wabcradio.com forward slash tag forward slash web dash poll. That's wabcradio.com. And then there's a forward slash the word tag, a forward slash the word web, and then dash the word poll. I'll be reading the results of the question of the week next Sunday live right here on 77 WABC. You know, I got to tell you, uh, it was a very interesting show this week, listening to Charlie Kirk and the impact of Omicron and listening to Eric Metaxas and the the, you know, reality of what is going on in this country with religion, how religion has survived 2000 years uh, and is still a part of 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 so many Americans daily uh, uh, daily uh, uh, operation. The truth is that, you know, we are entering a new year, and I think it's time really to think about not just resolutions, New Year's resolutions, but how we plan to live our year next year. We had the Delta variant and now the Omicron variant. There's no question there's going to be another variant, and we've got to try to figure out how we're going to allow that to impact our lives. The Supreme Court will soon be deciding whether or not the government has the right to require that everyone in big companies be vaccinated. Two federal courts have said they don't have to be, that testing is enough, and then one federal court came out and said, no, everybody's got to be vaccinated. So it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, year next year, and I think you ought to plan for another variant and how you're going to handle it. Whether or not you'll boost her up again, and obviously all of that is something that you should have a conversation with your doctor about. But, you know, more and more we're hearing about the monoclonal antibodies. We're hearing about, you know, Pfizer having a new pill. Uh, Look into all that stuff. Study it up. We'll be talking about it next year, making sure that you've got everything you need to make the decisions in your own life. So... I can't believe we're out of time already, but I want to make sure that you join us right back here next Sunday at 11 a.m. sharp for the Judge Jeanine Pirro Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday morning show. And up, it's the up is the great Dick Morris show where you can listen to his great political commentary, his great political insight on the issues that we all care about. Because if you don't care about politics in America anymore, I mean, you're definitely behind the eight ball. Happy Sunday, everyone. Bye-bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.